lunch with you, so these cars are very helpful. Also, on your way out this morning, if you parked in the mall, we have parking passes at the welcome bar in the back. Uh, so at the end of service, if you need one of them, go ahead, they're back there. Next week, we have a few things coming up. Uh, first, on next Saturday, is the partner retreat in Narragansett. Yeah. yeah. It is a one-day retreat. Uh, if you are an actively involved partner or if you would are, are working to become a partner in our church, uh, if you are engaged and a regular attendee and, and really want to be involved, that's a great spot for you to be. Uh, we definitely want you there. However, we also need you to sign up. So we have a clipboard this morning. Is that great? The clipboard is going around right now. We would love for you to sign up and join us next weekend in Narragansett. Also next weekend, on Sunday, we will be having a picnic on the State House lawn after services. Uh, there are a lot of new faces this morning. I see a lot of students that are, are coming back for the school year. Uh, that'll be a great spot to connect. We'll have free lunch for college students there, and it's just a great place to kind of engage with the community. If you're a college student, I'd really encourage you to come. It is open to the entire church, so a lot of us will be out there. Big announcement, also for next Sunday, we are moving back to two services. We'll have services at a service at 9 a.m. and a second service at 11 a.m. How many services are we having next week? When's the first one? And the second one? Great. So if you show up at the time you normally would, you'll be in the middle of the 9 o'clock service. So plan accordingly. I'm going to invite Andrew up for a special announcement. Thanks. Um, quickly, I wanted to welcome up Jason Lee, um, uh, Lauren Watka, uh, Laura Keller, Laura DiBellato. She got married. Laura got married like two years ago. Give it up for Laura. <laughs> um, and John, John Shuchuk. Uh We, uh, I, they don't let me really do announcements too often because I go really long because I always want to give like an 18 sermon points of why this announcement is the greatest announcement of all time. Um, but I'm still going to do a little bit of that. Uh, no, we're really big at Sanctuary when we say, do you want to connect, get involved, plug in? What does it mean to be a part of our community? <clears throat> Sorry. First and foremost, I'm getting all choked up. This is such a great announcement. First and foremost, it doesn't mean just volunteering on a Sunday. It doesn't mean that. In fact, come to the retreat, and we'll talk about what it really means <laughs> uh, and, and how, where we're going with that. Um, but... Sunday is a huge place for many of you who are in this room and you're not followers of Jesus or you've just wandered in, you've been dragged here. Uh, for other folks, you've been coming for a while and you're really happy kind of being a wallflower, just kind of sitting on the sideline and just kind of experiencing things for a bit. That's kind of like part and parcel for our culture and for the people coming in our community. And so we want to make Sundays a, an experience that's hospitable. Um, that runs well, that has a level of excellence to it, um, not, for, not because this is the, the main point of our church, um, but because it's a really powerful open door for so many in our community, and it is like the gathering point for us every week. So that said, we need a bunch of new volunteers as we go to two services. So if you are planning on, you're, you're, I'm, I'm a part of this church, I know I'm going to be here for, even if you're a student and you're going to be here for the next nine months, this is a great way to meet people, it's a great way to connect in, and just to be on a regular rhythm of serving. We're really good at, we're really good at trying not to burn people out. Um, <laughs> I choose those words wisely. So anyway, um, I want to highlight a few people, and there's clipboards that they're going to pass around in a moment. Um, so a second clipboard going around. Uh, 
just to sign up for one of these four areas. So this is John. Uh, John is one of our key setup teardown people. John kind of just does everything in the church. Um, <laughs> but John in particular, this is one place where yeah, he's always gathering folks and running those teams. If you're somebody who like, man, I could just show up, help get some stuff set up, tear some stuff down, just kind of, you're one of those like plug me in and I'll like do the work. Um, would you sign up on when this clipboard goes around, sign up, I believe it says setup team. Um, this is Lauren Waka. She's our volunteer coordinator on staff at our church. Lauren uh, is just representing hospitality today. So if you're somebody who would love to greet, you're someone who's just really good at helping people feel connected. Maybe you were somebody that took a long time to get connected here, and you really don't want that to happen to somebody else. Um, whether, preferably you're remotely friendly. Uh, but there's a number of different places, the welcome bar and things like that, that we need just staffed every Sunday. All these responsibilities are like 30 minutes, 45 minutes a week, and on a, like a once-a-month rotation type thing. So that's Lauren Hospitality. This is Jason Lee. What up, Jason? Jason was leading worship today, but Jason's actually our creative director. Uh, so he's doing things uh, like on a Sunday, helping run what happens up on stage, the music, the tech, the slides. If you'd like to get involved in that, sign up for Music Tech. And then this uh, is Laura DiPilato. Um And who do you got there? <laughs> um, Laura runs our, uh, she's on staff with us. She helps runs our kids' ministry. And so uh, I highlight this in particular because sometimes folks feel like, well, I don't have kids, or it's really hard for me to miss a Sunday once every, like, five weeks or something like that. Um, this, this community in our church, our kids, which has been a, a subset of our community that has exploded and probably will continue to over the fall, we need folks who, who don't just view our kids as, as, a, as like a peripheral part of our church, but are the future of our church. Uh, and so uh, maybe some of you, we've always had a bunch of students who are like, man, I miss my family or I miss my brothers and sisters, and I would love to give myself uh, to helping serve there now and again. Uh, if you're here and you have kids, we really expect you to would participate in some way in a regular rhythm. So uh, sign up for kids. So here's the deal. Just really important if you've been dialing all this out. These clipboards are going to go around. You can sign up for more than one. So if you want to like, I'd love to play in the band and help out with kids every once in a while. Go for it. You can write in. Um, it's a little blotted out. Um, but just write in one, two, three, or four of the places where you'd like to serve. And then after the service, just pick one of them. And um, if, you, if you have time, we just encourage everyone just to come up to where these four people are and just say hi to them real quick. They're going to just do a really quick three-minute meet and greet. Uh, so Laura's going to pass out a couple forms. Jason's just going to say hi. It's just a quick meet and greet with these leaders. So if you signed up for one of these things and you have a few extra minutes after the service, come forward to the, one of these four slots. Um, if you can't and you know you have to run right after the service, please don't not sign up. And we will get you an email. So check your email this week uh, outlining like, what the next steps are. So that makes sense? Yeah? Volunteer sign up, one of these four areas. Um, set up, tear down, hospitality, music, tech, kids. If you'd like to volunteer in one or any of these, we would just super appreciate it. Uh, and so as we transition into the talk time, um, Brad's going to read the word and these uh, clipboards are going to go around. So thanks for listening. If you could please stand with me for the reading of the word. This morning's reading is in Second Peter as I scroll through it. I got it. We're good. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. My name is Andrew. I've already been up here a couple times, but so I might as well introduce myself. Um, I'm uh, one of the leaders here at the church and um, the pastor. And uh, we have been going through a series called Day One. Uh, and Aaron um, kind of closed us out last week with our, our last direction. And I'll give you a little context for what I'm talking about in a minute. Um, but as we were headed, we had this week kind of free before we start our next series uh, on, the fort- on the 13th. Uh, so I was kind of going back and forth on, on what might be a good word for us, and um, I, I felt like there might be a, a way that I can not so much wrap up, but sort of everything that we've been talking about all summer, just kind of sure it up a little bit. Give a, give a little reminder, uh, not just of why we did all that, um, but what it means to move forward. So if you're new, and we know, how many of you are, are, uh, are undergrad students who are here? Hey, welcome back. This is, this is um, the weirdest Sunday we experienced at Sanctuary because all the folks that have been coming week in and week out, right, a normal kind of community that's, uh, not that you students aren't normal, um, our regular community, it's Labor Day. So Rhode Islanders for Labor Day means I'm going to go away one last time before the fall kicks in and I begin my hibernation process. Um, uh, but it's also the week that a lot of new students, a lot of freshmen and sophomores are coming back into school. Um, so it's kind of great where we can greet a lot of the students and say hi to you, um, extend an open arm. And then next week it just gets crazy in here, which is why we're going to two services. Um, cause there's probably about, I don't know how many people that aren't here. Uh, so it gets really fun and we're looking forward to, uh, making some adjustments this coming fall. Um, I have no idea why I got off on all that. You got an idea, Brad? You're looking good. Way to go. You feeling good? Seemed like it. Um, we did a whole series, for those of you who are new, on spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. These are regular rhythms that help us set our mind on the things of Jesus. So this quote um, sort of guided us through all this different scripture. It's from Dallas Willard, and he says, God is not opposed to effort. He is simply opposed to earning. And sometimes... Again, if you've been a part of church, we think, oh, I've been saved by grace through faith. It's just through faith. I don't have to do anything. God just loves me right where I'm at. Yet true, in order to do good works, in order to be holy, in order to walk in the way of life. And to do that, we recognize that there are forces all the time. And I'm not talking like just nebulous spiritual force. I mean just like the regular ways that we are formed as people via media, via uh, current trends, whatever it may be, are pushing us to become certain kinds of people. Some of it's good, some of it's neutral, some of it's really, really toxic. And so one of the reasons we get together every week is to be counterformed. And the way we do that as individuals or as small groups and home groups and smaller community is to embody these spiritual practices. So for example, we talked about prayer, like regular daily prayer. Are you weaving, threading God's presence through your day? Do you have three times in a day where you stop for five minutes and just pray? 
Some of you have like downloaded these apps that we recommended um, just like to have a little devotional moment in the morning. And then at lunch you stop and you just say, God, will you remind me who I am? I know I'm loved, child of God, great. Awesome, I need to be reminded of that. And then pray. Like, God, what are you up to? What do you want to do in this classroom? What do you want to do in work today? What do you want to do for the next couple hours? And just that process, maybe shorter than five minutes. I heard so many cool stories of folks who have been able to start doing this, building rhythms into this. And we talked about a number of different disciplines that were all grouped around our values. So we talked about secrecy. Sometimes you got to just do really good and beautiful acts and not let anyone know. That's for your heart. So you're not filled with pride. You know you're not doing things for the right reason. You know this is about your relationship with you and God. We talked about serving. We need to get involved in just serving the poor. Even if you don't have some strategic, super justice-oriented way of doing that, just some regular rhythm where you are serving elsewhere. It's not just about the fact that God calls us to and we should be people who are keeping the poor and the most hurting right in our doorstep and we know them, but it's also for our own, our own heart. It's our own heart. We've got to make sure there's just stuff going out or else we become incredibly insular and broken and we don't actually know the heart of the Father, which is inherently generous. God is an inherently generous God, so we need to be invited. So we talked about a bunch of these all summer. These different regular practices. And one thing that came out of that was this website that um, Jason uh, put together. And where's John's here today? He's going to hate this. John, can you stand up for a second? We have a incredible creatives in our community. This is John Finnerty. He did, he did all the designs, like all the designs for this series, which were just brilliant. We, we default, Jason and I, to like, anyone know Kinfolk? No one's going to know the story I'm about to tell, but I'm going to tell it anyway. It's like blurred out picture. Right? Semi-hipster people with, like, light text, serif text over top of it. That's how Jason and I brand stuff. But John kind of upped our game a little bit. Um, some of you are like, what did he just say? That was complete Greek. This website that we put together is, a, is resources that we are going to leave up till our church folds. <laughs> And the idea is that we can keep going back. I want to build regular rhythms in, and they're just laid out. It's called sanctuarydayone.com. We, we want this to be something that we can literally kind of carry with us and then begin to practice more and more because we know that we need to have regular rhythms that help push back against um, the things that want to lead us to death. So all that as a setup. I want to talk about a verse that at first um, may not seem like it has much to do um, with what we're talking about, but I need to ask for your patience because what I'm going to do, and I know this is like, I'm, I'm, you know what this is? I'm going to help the students ease back into school. We're going to have a little school here, and I'm going to walk through this passage and unload a bunch of Greek words, some of which uh, I can pronounce and some of which I can't very well. They're going to be on the screen. We're just going to walk through this, and you're going to be sitting there going, what on earth does this have to do with me? Why? Why? I don't like this church. I've just come to check it out, and this is really awful. Stay with me. And for those of you who love this kind of exegesis and going straight through the text, you're, you're going to love this. World's best sermon. So the passage, that, how's that for a setup? Second Peter verses 1, 3 to 4 is what Brad just read. I'm going to read it one more time for us. This is one of those epic texts that sound like larger than life. God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Let's stop there. Apparently everything we need for the, for the life of the ages, for the life that is, that is above all other lives, the most beautiful way to walk, God's given us the power to do that. Through, through, so how? Through our knowledge of him 
who called us by his own glory and goodness. So something about knowing him connects us to this. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So he's given us these promises that allow us to live this godly life. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Okay, that just sounds weird. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So first, some words. So stay with me. The word power here in the original Greek is the word, word dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. It means energy or force or might. It's where, again, we get the word dynamite. So this first word is like God's divine dynamite. The word godly is a Greek word, Eusebia. I'm really sorry if there are any Greek scholars in the room. I'm really bad at pronunciations. The first part of this word means good, and the second part comes from the verb, which refers to paying homage or reverence. So this is important to understand because the word godly, how many of you have this like feeling that pops up in your head when you hear godly? You're like, like, like a, I think of a small room with lots of restrictions. Or you think of lists. All right, this is all, I'm going to live a godly life. Right? Maybe we like think of the, a monk or a sister or a nun on the hill. Kind of, a godly, a godly life. Or we think of maybe some of you have really great examples of that, like the, the, the parents that were upright, as far as you know. Godly doesn't, first and foremost, mean following a particular set of rules or avoiding certain behaviors or aligning yourself with a specific belief. Eusebia is your inner response to God. It will include all those kinds of things, but it starts first and foremost as the reaction in your heart that naturally expresses itself in a sense of wonder and awe. It's the response that comes, like the inner response to the thing. Living a a godly life is something that like, this happened to me and so then how can I not? It's a bit like listening to anything Pharrell. Right, you just listen to Pharrell, and you like are transported back to like late seventies R and B, and you just want to dance. It's like what happens when you listen to like pop country. Like you just you, you hear pop country, and then all you want to do is just your natural obedient response is just to curl up and die. You know, ninety-eight point one cat country. Um, don't hate. I like. Like Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Ryan Adams. If we're talking about that country, we're okay. Right? If we're talking about, I won't do it. I already alienated enough people with my cat jokes. I don't need to alienate you with your country jokes. To each their own, right? <laughs> your inner response to the thing that happened. It's the spontaneous, authentic reaction you have to your pure and real experiences to God. The word knowledge is the word epigenosis. Can you say epigenosis? It refers to the kind of knowledge that you have from personal experience. It's like the thing you've tasted and seen and felt firsthand. You've seen that. It's not just something you read. So to review so far in our passage, this would be one way to say it. God's dynamite-like energy gives us everything we need to live lives in which our hearts are transformed as we experience the divine. God's dynamite-like energy gives us everything we need to live lives in which our hearts are transformed as we experience God. 
So next, stay with me. Just walking right through this First Peter passage. God's great promises. The, words, the word great and the word promises. Um, these two words, when they come together, I think the words are on the screen. <laughs> Here's where this kind of gets interesting to me. There are two kinds of promises in Scripture. In the Greek language, one is the kind of the promises that you make to someone when they ask you for something. Right? They ask you for something and you make a promise. I promise to do blank. I promise to. Like you asked me to watch your cat, I promise to at least watch it. I promise to. Hey, would you listen to this country song with me? I, I, I promise to, to listen. I don't promise to like it. Right? I'm just going to try to keep this thread through. It's going to break down. <laughs> this is not the kind of promise that's in this text. This word is different. It's the kind of promise that is voluntarily or spontaneously made. You commit to doing something for somebody simply because you want to. You want to do this. You're compelled to do this. You're starting to see how all this stuff is starting to thread together. And so what do then these promises do, right? We're told about these promises. Go back to the text for a moment. God's divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God's like just energy, all that is the beauty and wonder of God has given us everything we need to just be naturally compelled to taste and see and walk into the way of God's goodness. Can I say something real quick about that? If you're here and you're, you're like new to the whole Christian thing, when we talk about like the life of the ages, when we talk about eternal life, when we talk about the goodness of God, and we talk about walking in this thing, everybody believes, everybody believes something about the best way to live. Right? If you didn't think your opinion was right, you would change it. No one's walking around with like a, well, it could be. Like, I'm not going to live that way. You might have a real, like, uh, sensitive sort of agnostic front to that. In other words, like, hey, I just think this is true. Maybe someone else thinks that's great. There's a civility there. But we as followers of Jesus have that same sort of thing. We just simply believe that when Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and the life of the ages, the abundant life, I've come to give you how you are hardwired, what it means to be fully human. We're simply trying to trust that to try it, to walk into it. And many of us have experienced, we have stories. There are people you're probably sitting next to have stories of the way of walking in the way of Jesus, trusting that God has forgiven you of your sin and set you free to join him in restoring all things. That there's something about the life of Jesus, both in his commands and in his death and in his resurrection. So that, just so you understand where we're, what we're thinking when we say this. And so through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So what are the promises? They allow us to participate, it says in the text, in the divine nature. Nature is the word, and I want to repeat this, was my favorite, phusis. Can everyone say phusis? Phusis. We want to participate in the phusis. So what does this mean? Notice how this verse ends. You participate in the divine nature because you've escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So... The word escaped, we're going to get back to Fusus in a minute, uh, is apo, which means from, fuego, which means to flee, to move on, escape by flight, or to break away by separating. Corrupt is also translated as decay. And so the Greek word refers to moving down from something higher to a lower level. 
And then there's evil desires, which means uh, it's two words. One is focused on, and the other word is thymos, T-H-Y-M-O-S. looks like thermos, which is actually really clever. Thymos is passion and desire built on strong feelings. Thymos is a passion, and so you get why they called it thermos, like to contain the heat. Huh? Brilliant, right? Maybe not. So where does all this go? Whatever these promises are, you with me? Whatever these promises are, they appear to unleash something relatively awesome. Or at least larger than life. And if you're here and you're skeptical, you should be. Because it sounds pretty out there. So what are these promises? There are lots of them, actually. And I don't have time to read through them all. Hundreds. Let me give you a couple. You're a new creation. You aren't who you were. You are redeemed. You are a child of God. We sang this. You're no longer a slave to fear. Man, wouldn't that be sweet if that were like real? How many of you sing that and you're like, I'm no longer a slave. I am lying through my teeth. But apparently there's something about like who God says we are, but how we understand, perceive it, and walk in it that are different. God says this. And we're like, that would be nice. That would be nice. Please, some of that, please. There are all these promises. You reflect the image of God. He calls really broken, sinful communities saints. He calls some of the most messed up churches you'll read about are actually in the Bible. And he's like, yeah, man, you guys are set apart. And then, and then he's, the, the writer will say things like, you've got to live into your, who you are. You guys are like bombing this thing. I mean, we're talking about all sorts of really, like the fun sins. Like, okay, there's some interesting stuff happening. Interpersonal, interfamily, sexual communication. This is not good. Like some jacked up stuff. And he's like, you guys are saints. You guys aren't owning who God says that you are. His list goes on and on and on. There's all of these promises. You're forgiven, loved, lavished in his love. The divine energy and power comes from trusting these promises. Hear that again. This divine energy, this, this, the life of God, comes from trusting these promises, apparently. The power and transformation and joy and authentic response of your heart does not come from beating yourself up. It apparently does not come from speaking negatively about yourself or reminding anybody else who will listen that you're a sinner. Again, we just spent some time in the beginning of our service acknowledging we are all sinners. But that apparently is not the place you're supposed to identify, first and foremost. It's a separate sermon. But you are to focus on who God insists you already are. Can I get an amen? Who God says you already are. When you do this, trusting that God says you are, is who you actually are, you'll find yourself crossing over into this new mode of living. You'll find yourself shifting as you start to embody and trust. So the the writer here uses the phrase evil desires. Why does he say evil desires? Does anybody grow up in a church where you were told, like, desires are bad? Or there was some, maybe you didn't told directly, but there was a sort of intuitive thing. 
Or maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. You walked in today or you've been apart for a little while and you're like, I would assume Christians are not big on like leaning into your desires. They tend to get immediately like lumped in with a bunch of like, I don't know, sexual stuff equals bad. This real odd disconnected thing. The writer feels the need to be accurate (laughs) and to say evil desires because desires are not inherently bad. It's your desire. There's nothing wrong with your desires. It's your desire to live in to who God insists that you truly are that unleashes this power in you. Our problem is that we settle for jacked up desires. We find ourselves wanting things that will never bring us joy or satisfaction. In fact, we know this. How many of you have sat in a moment knowing, like, I know what I am focusing on and being energized by is not in any way bringing me life. I know it's like a lesser desire. It's the, have you ever seen that? It's like the cheesy Christian graphic, but I love it. It's like God, it's like Jesus, and he's, um, he's bending down like this. Here, this will be the small child. Hi, small child. And so Jesus is like, like this. And he's holding his hand out. He's got one hand holding it out. In the posture of asking this small child to hand him something. Now, what this small child is holding is like a, a little panda bear. Right? I don't know why it's a panda bear. My, my daughter's really into peacocks right now. I don't know why. But she's always walking around the house just going like, Peacock! 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 It's weird. Holding a small stuffed peacock. And so Jesus, this is a really cheesy graphic. Jesus is holding out saying, give me your peacock. And behind him, he's holding a really big stuffed peacock. You get it? Some are like, no. (laughs) Hey, if you give me that small thing you think is the great. So the the child's like clutching and crying and holding the small peacock. And he's like, give me the small peacock because I've got a big peacock for you. (laughs) That took way too long. Um, it's like that. (laughs) Everything is like that. Desires. We want and we crave this minimal stuff. We crave stuff that will not deliver. (laughs) We crave these things that are, are small. Like how on earth? Like statistically, almost half the men in this room struggle with pornography. Let's be honest for a second. How weak is that? Literally, like you are driven, becoming more angry. All the stats out there. These aren't like Christian stats. These are like everybody. Like, dad, it's just bad for you. You get addicted. It's jacking up your mind. It's literally raping your mind. That language is being used by like official people. It's awful. And we keep going. Where God, the author of all that is beautiful and like about sex, is saying, no, no, I have this. And we keep going for the cheap thing. To use a real stark example. But this makes itself evident everywhere. These evil desires. These things that are getting our order all messed up. All messed up. Our problem is we settle in our desires. We find ourselves wanting things that never bring us the joy or satisfaction we crave. In other words, he's saying your problem isn't that you want certain things. It's that you want lame substitutes that can't deliver what you're really looking for. You want lame substitutes that cannot deliver. The power in 1 Peter of these promises that you are 
like you are loved, set free, forgiven. The power of these promises is the desire they provoke within you for a new, better, and more beautiful life. The promises of God unlock. Wait, I am not that. I am not just like a physical addict. I am not just a selfish whatever. Right? Even the great things. Maybe you're like on a mountaintop right now. You're like, I can't think of anything wrong in my life. Everything's pretty good. Or anything wrong in my own heart. Like, there's so much more than just coasting. There's so much more you can give your time and energy and wonder to. There is this compelling life and these promises from God. Like, this is who you are. This is what you're a part of. This is the story that you're in. You're a part of this. Part of my job as a pastor and why I even decided to do this, I never wanted to be a pastor. Ever. I would, like, preach against it. Preach against it, ironically, for a long time. Never. And I found myself caught up because, man, what if there were a group of people who were like waking up and they'd get together regularly and they'd start to wake up more and more and more and become aware of what it meant to live this kind of life with God. And that that before any other things they wanted to do, before any other career choices or family choices, they were giving themselves to the way of love and justice and beauty. That they were like being set free and their identity was rest in God. That they no longer had fear and death. So all the then the tasks that they did do, like the companies they'd run, or the or the projects they were a part of, or the school they were in, or the family that they that they helped manage, all that stuff, they saw themselves first and foremost of agents of the God of the universe, of embodying the way of Jesus, which we're told is how we were designed to live. Imagine if I could do that and talk about that all the time and get people wired up and fired up around this stuff. This image of what it means to have this divine power release, that this is who you are and this is the story you're a part of, will begin then to reorient the things that we give our life to and the things that we're taken by. The power of these promises in First Peter is they provoke within us a new and better and inspired life. They wake you up, giving you a new vision for life, guiding you into your true, like who God created you to be. This is why the Jesus story continues continues to have such enduring power in our world. He comes in his full humanity to lead us into our full humanity. He comes to us in his full humanity, N.T. Wright says, and leads us into our full humanity. And when all this happens, you find yourself participating in some fooses. You find yourself participating in the divine nature We come from God. We bear the image of God. We live and move and have our being in God. All of our lives flow from this singular source. Which, of course, then, I don't know, for me, raises a bunch of interesting thoughts and questions. Like, what what am I, like, what stories am I telling myself? Do I, like, endlessly focus on my shortcomings? Am I numb? And I'm like, yeah, everything's cool. There's nothing wrong. And while I dismiss the amazing life that God has called me into. Maybe it's not about like the negative thing that's working. It's like the apathetic thing. If your thumb hurts because you're on Instagram too much, like, like let's talk about that. Right? If your whole life is geared around simply climbing the corporate ladder and you have no other central drive, like let's talk about that. If you find that your kids have become total idolatry and you don't actually know how to talk to another human being outside of just talking about your kids and your kids are going to make you happy and your kids and your kids and it's your kids and it's all the, like there's, let's talk about that. They're all good things, beautiful things that get jacked up because we don't trust the promises of God because we don't, 
Because we tell ourselves all sorts of stories about who we are. We tell ourselves stories about this is only really who I am. You constantly feel plagued by who you aren't. I need to achieve, and I'm constantly telling myself I'm not good enough. Does listening to these voices fill you with joy, or do they inspire you? When you're listening to the internal dialogue of what's going on, the life, the engine, the catalyst, the thing that unleashes the divine dynamite in you is when you trust that you really are who God insists you are. And the invitation is you can experience this. You can live this. You can taste this. You can participate in the divine nature. Can you put First Peter back up? Oh, it's already up. God's divine nature has given us everything we need for the life of the ages for a godly life. Remember, for a life that like, we want to live more in line with, not that's like a burden. Through our knowledge of him, we, our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness because of the goodness of God, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. He's promised us all of these things so that through them, through the promises, you may participate in the divine nature escaping the life that is less than. Rabbis talk about the Ten Commandments, which we usually see as descriptions as invitations to life. If you've grown up in a Christian environment or any kind of religious environment where you looked at the Bible and the Scriptures as lists of rules to keep you in line, you have, I just humbly submit to you, been sold a load of crap. They are invitations to the life of the ages. They are a realigning to who we were created to be. And ultimately, they are telling the story of a God who did what we couldn't do on our own, which is rescue us and pull us out and show us the way. So I want to end in a different passage, and hopefully this will connect back to kind of putting a period on our spiritual discipline series. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 7, verse 15. Romans 7. used to hear pages turning, right? And now you just hear. I love it. I do not understand what I do. You've heard this passage before. Think of, I was going to try to find a big rope and sort of just show this. But just think of like Brad and Adam playing tug of war in front of you right now. <laughs> you guys just want, to, just want to pretend it's there? No, don't do that. <laughs> I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And it is, and it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that God, I know that, sorry, I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. What? Everyone knows this. If you've never read this passage in your life, you know this. This tug of war. I want to be good. I want to be great. 
I want I, this divine light. I would love to be set free, to no longer have fear of death, to know that my identity is wrapped up solely in God so I don't spend so much stinking time on my makeup in the morning. I meant that in love, sisters. And brothers. Like the issue for us so often is I want that, but I can't get there. I've got these addictions like driving me. I'm tired of it. Man, do you know how much I would love that? So if God's power is at work in me when I begin to trust who he says I am, if that's part of the key, where else is this reinforced and stated much clearer? Romans 7 21, so now I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law. What a wretched man am I. What a wretched man am I. And then in Romans 8, one page over, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You get it? To live according to death? Like you're going to set your mind on the things of death, but if you, if you recognize that it is the Spirit inside you, if you live according to the Spirit, you're going to set your mind there. In other words, there is God's power because he's given us these promises and said all these things about who we are. And then the question is, okay, then what's my responsibility? Do I, play, do I just kind of sit back and go, I'm a Christian now. I better get better by just sitting here. No, no, no. It's like I need to undo. Paul is struggling with these two voices, this tug of war inside him. And, and, and just a few verses later, the writer says, set your mind on then the things of that life. To begin to trust those promises means to begin to set yourself on those things. It won't just magically happen. It is God's power working in us that compels us to set our minds on the things that are beautiful. It's an awareness on who God is and what he has done and how he is with us. And an awareness that when it comes to addiction or when it comes to brokenness, we're so focused on ourself. A self that is not bathed in God. Our awareness is so often focused on the person that we are not called to be. We can set our minds on the way of the Spirit. And so if this will help you focus, I want to read a really long passage of Scripture. I want you to just hear this. I'm going to read it in a translation that will just kind of be really easy to pick up. Romans puts all of this this way. Romans 8. Those who think They can do it on their own, end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious and free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about their self than God. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, if you've said yes to the promises of God, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. 
Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive. When God lives and breathes in you, as he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as much alive to Christ's. Amen. What can we do? What's the next step? It's like this awareness and focusing on God. The next step would have been if I gave this sermon at the beginning of our series. This is why we just spent all summer talking about spiritual practices It's not the only angle. It's one crucial angle, though, to help us reorient ourselves towards that which is God says is true about us. I mentioned this before. The definition of an addiction is a repetitive behavior. uh, Sorry, a repetitive pattern of behaviors that is life destructive. A spiritual discipline is a pattern of repetitive behaviors that is life giving. They're very similar with a very different outcome. What are the spiritual practices, repetitive patterns of behavior, regardless of how you feel, that are beginning to reorient you to the promises that God has said about who you are? I need to be reminded that I am loved. So what are the things that I have built in that are helping me set my mind on that reality? I'm a, 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 I have a certain personality type. <laughs> I've noticed, or at least I buy into this box, that, like, I, I'm, everything's always okay. And if it's not okay, like, I want to avoid pain, I just kind of run from it. I need practices in my life that continue to cause me to be sober-minded and not sort of drunk on my own spin because I run the best commercials to myself that justify my behavior. I'm really good. Literally, sometimes my wife will come to me and go, I need to kind of spin this. Can you give me some language? Usually in a healthy thing. <laughs> but like, man, I am so good at self-deception. So I, I practice the secrecy thing, I said. I try to do some stuff every once in a while that nobody knows about. Nobody sees. I'm not up front. What are the things for you? What are the places that you know your bent is going to be so self-focused? I've heard from a lot of college students since a lot of you are here today. Like, you need to get up off, like, for those of you at RISD and Brown, you need to get out of College Hill, like, every couple of weeks, and just, like, give of yourself to something other than just your school environment. Not because you have time, because you don't. Not because you have bandwidth, because you really kind of don't. But for your own life and health, that you don't become the narcissistic animal that you hate. Right? We've got to wake ourselves up, and it will begin, we'll begin to participate in the divine nature dying with Christ and setting our mind on things that matter most. Welcome the band up as I just read this last passage. Galatians 5. The life of freedom. Paul writes here, my counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. My counsel is this, It's like, what's up? Live freely, animated, 
and motivated by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of love and justice and forgiveness and reconciliation of truth. Do that. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. To live freely means we need to be a church as we head into the fall that is focused on the things that we know are not just like broken about us, but focused on the invitations that God has for us to step into the life that he's called us to. For some of you today, you've never actually like said like, yeah, I'd love to participate in the divine nature. You've never really said that because that's a really weird thing to say out loud. But you've actually never just like, I, I would like to, to see if this Jesus thing is for real. Or maybe you're having a moment right now where something is stirring inside of you and you're like, dude, imagine if this were true. God, I feel this like weird something in my, in my heart. And we say this often, we'd be happy to help connect like what's happening in your heart to your head. But maybe this is a moment where you just need to kind of like say, yeah, I would like to f- follow Jesus. I trust these promises that God has said, I trust that I am, I am loved by the God of the universe. That in all of my crap and in all of my brokenness and in all of my frailty and all of my lack of love and all of my ego and all of my pride and all the things that are messed up about me, that, that God loves me, has forgiven me, and wants to set me on the path of life. And so this might be a moment for you to just say Yes. In fact, let's just sit in that invitation for a minute. Let me just pray for those that that's happening in your heart right now. Lord Jesus, um, man, I thank you that you're, you're here with us, that in this mysterious way you, you continue to guide and lead and push through your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we just I pray for those right now in the room like who are, there's something like just stirring in their heart. And they're like, I, would, I want to follow Jesus. I, I want to trust God's grace. I want to to believe that he has died on the cross for my sins. He's risen again, inaugurating a new way of life that heaven is crashing into. I want all that. That you're doing something in me right now. And so maybe in this moment, just with eyes closed and all that jazz, you just need to say yes. Or maybe you just need to throw your hand up in the air right now. And just like, just for your own sake. And just like, name this moment. And so to all those who are in that place, let's do this now. Say yes. Throw your hand up or whatever. And Lord, an invitation that you extend to each one of us who have been walking with you. an invitation to set our minds on the things that are most beautiful and good and true. I pray, Lord, whether it's people remember a a teaching that's been given this summer or or something that they've heard before, you just shoot something into their head right now, Lord. If there's real specific, tangible practices that they know they can take hold of right now, you would show them that. You would give just the tools, Lord, to be able to, to, to set their minds on the things of life. And we as a church, 
continue to come together to spur one another on, it says in Hebrews, to love and good deeds, to helping bring heaven to earth with every discussion, with every, with every helping hand, with every internal like, moment of peace. every quiet moment. In your name, everybody said, amen. As we head to the close of our service, um, a couple things we do. Um, we come and we take the Eucharist. And we, we pray together through song and then we close with a time of generosity. And, and today as we come to the table, um, for those that, that said yes to Jesus, for those that are like, yeah, I, I want to follow Jesus, would you come and just be some folks over here in the prayer area and just come and say, like, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm... I, one person came up a couple weeks ago to me, like, 10 minutes after the service and was like, I don't know what to do. I just do this Jesus dude. I, I, don't, I don't know. It was the most incoherent sentence, like, ever. I loved it. It was just this, like, I don't know what's happening in my heart, and this doesn't make any sense to my brain right now, but I, I want to, I love to, to walk in the way. I'd love to trust what God says about me. If all that stuff you said is true, and maybe you just need to have a quick bumbling thing or just say, yeah, I said yes to Jesus today, and allow these folks just to pray with you and then come and take communion. For the rest of us, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, come and take the bread and dip it in the cup as a reminder of the promises of God, that through those promises of what God says about you, that you're loved, forgiven, reconciled to him, that as you take that bread and you dip it in the cup, something just happens in that moment that can be so powerful where you are reminded of who God says that you are and what he has done for you. And may that allow us to step in to this life that God has called us to. So I want to invite the servers up. And um, this may take a little bit longer uh, today. We don't have as many stations, but take your time whenever you feel like you want to get up and join the line. And even as you're in the line, maybe a time where you can just pray and sing. So as you feel led, come forward up the center aisle and come around the side.
now we have an opportunity to practice generosity together. If you are new to Sanctuary, if you're just visiting, if you're just checking it out, feel no obligation to give. However, for those of us that are a part of the community here at Sanctuary that call this place home, this is our opportunity to respond to God's love with our own thankfulness, our opportunity to give with joy. So please join me, or sorry, follow along with me as I read our prayer of generosity. There is nothing we have that we have not received. To spend everything on ourselves and to give without sacrifice is to walk the way of death. But generosity is the way of those who call Jesus their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstand the delusion of riches. We are determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. We are determined to be faithful stewards of such a little thing as money that Christ may trust us with true riches. Above all things, we are determined to be generous because our Father is generous. It is the delight of his daughters and sons to share their Father's traits and to show what he is like to all the world. Let us practice generosity together.
whatever spiritual practices, whatever disciplines, whatever rhythms, whatever patterns that God has shown you that you've known you need to embody, commit in this moment to trying them. Because when we set our mind on the things of Christ, when we trust the promises of God and practice those promises and remind ourselves they are true, we are able to participate in the life of God, the life that we were created to live, the person that we were created to be. We get to step in to that more and more. If you need help with those, go to that website, sanctuarydayone.com. It's just a list of a bunch of practices to help. And might this just be a, a moment for us as we head into the, what is the craziness for most of us of the fall, not just of our church, but of our lives, all the activities and groups and things and plans that we have coming this coming week and into the, into the, the new year or the, yeah, into the new year. Might we remember this moment as one where we, we kind of put a pin in the ground and say, yeah, yeah this thing I'm going to keep coming back to, this practice. Because I know I need to keep waking up and waking up and waking up day in and day out. Thank you for being with us. I wanted to mention one last thing before we go. There's something really special that we uh, decided pretty last minute to do, um, or at least last minute for church scheduling. If you could put the slide up. This coming week, I know tomorrow's Labor Day, but basically from Monday through Sunday, there's going to be a number of opportunities to pray for our city, pray for specific neighborhoods. Some will be really short times, like Tuesday morning, 8 o'clock. All the info, uh, some of the info is in your bulletin or online, or if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, it's all there. But 8 o'clock, we meet downtown and pray on a rooftop for 30 minutes for our city. All of the home group, almost all of the home groups, not all of them, but most of them are hosting short prayer times throughout the week. Uh, one, two, uh, one's going to happen on the east side on Tuesday, uh, another one on the west side on Tuesday, another on the east side on Wednesday. Throughout the week, just some spots to pray. If you're not on our new email newsletter list, all of those things will be in your email. They will all be on the website by the end of the day today. Um, and follow us on social media, all that stuff. You can see it all. I say that and that we want to commit, because this really is kind of the new year for us. For most of us, we're going to condition. This is kind of our January 1st, really. And so we can take a few minutes with those that we've been walking with, for those that we plan on doing community with. Maybe it's just for those in a particular neighborhood, and just to pray. Just to say, okay, God, what does it look like for us to join in the work of renewal as a community and as individuals, and to cover our city? in that. So take a look at your email tonight. We'll check back to the website. We're sorry we don't have the info for you right there, but there's going to be a number of spots. And even if you aren't able to make them, would you commit to praying this week? So with all that said, peace be with you. A reminder, if you signed up for a, a particular volunteer setup, you can meet us up front for just three minutes. Uh, if you need more info, head to the back. And there are two services, remember, next week, 9 and 11. Have a great, great, great night.